You're listening to Adopted Feels with Hannah and Ryan, a podcast on anything and everything adoption-related. In light of our previous series on adoptee suicide, and in the midst of a global pandemic, we thought that today's topic would be fun, not so vulnerable, and lighthearted. And, well, it was definitely fun. We've mentioned star signs and astrology a few times on the podcast, but today we take it a step further by talking to professional astrologer and shamanic healer Mallory Gill. Mallory gives us an introduction to astrology and what perspectives it can offer, particularly for adoptees. During this interview, we also do something we'd never anticipated doing and may very well regret. Mallory reveals and explains our astrological birth charts for the very first time on air. Here's some info about Mallory. Seven years ago, in the midst of a spiritual awakening, Mallory heard a voice that said, Give yourself a key. Give yourself a way to understand. A week later, she discovered astrology. Now she uses the guidance she's gained from the stars to help people understand the cosmic forces working in their lives and unfold their unique destinies. In addition to being an insightful astrologist, Mallory is a shamanic healer who offers a variety of energetic techniques to help people blossom into their true selves. She studied shamanism with a foundation for shamanic studies, as well as the Toltec shamanism-based Artist of the Spirit Coach training program. She's also studied astrology with a Center for Psychological Astrology. Our meeting with Mallory takes us in all sorts of directions, so just a heads up, our post-interview convo is one of our more loose, raw, and wild ones. Finally, we apologize for the audio quality. Zoom and Australian internet isn't the best combo. We've minimized the patchiness as best we can and promise to ensure cleaner audio in future episodes. Thanks for putting up with us, and we hope you enjoy this conversation. Thanks so much, Mallory, for um, talking to us today about astrology and what you do um, and how it can help adoptees. Could we maybe start by, um, could you perhaps introduce yourself a little bit? And actually, I'm interested in like how you how you got into astrology in the first place. Cool. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Mallory Gill, and I am an astrologer and a shamanic healer. I'm very happy to be on the show today. So I've been doing astrology for about, I guess, eight years now, since 2012. And so actually, when I first got into astrology, I, I, I used to have a lot of problems with, uh, with mental illness, with depression, with anxiety. And at the time that I sort of got into astrology, I was having like a really big spiritual awakening. I was in um, therapy at that time with a really good therapist. And I was really kind of processing a lot of the stuff that had led me to being so depressed or having so much, um, so much anxiety. And I had just heard a little voice in the back of my head at this time. Like I was just, you know, sitting on my couch and, and not really doing anything. And I just kind of heard a voice and it was like, you know, you should look at your astrological chart. And I was like, like, I was like, okay. Like, you know, I had been known what like, you know, the sun sign basic astrology was, but not really uh, like in more in depth. Um, and so, and so I did, I, I went and I just, I just looked it up and I just started reading about it. And one of the things that um, is in my chart uh, is is that there's a real need to uh, go into kind of spirituality or go into healing work um, or else I would feel depressed and anxious for my whole life. It's like very, it's like very obvious in my chart. It's like you have two options. You can feel depressed and anxious for your whole life 
or you can really start on this healing path and you can go down and that will help set you free. And it was like at this time where I was processing all this stuff and, and I was just like, whoa, this is, this is, it just was so profound to me. And it really helped me understand that there was like a way out of what I was dealing with. There was a way out of the anxiety and the depression. Um, and so actually that's one of the biggest reasons why I do it for other people. And, I, and I'm like glad to talk to you guys today about it. Cause I think a lot of people and, and maybe adoptees in particular struggle with those issues. And I think astrology really helps to clarify and point you in a direction where you can start to work through them. Wow. So you only had a passing interest in astrology before that. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, when I was a teen, I like had astrology books, but not anything like really super in depth. And, and I just had a friend who, who was a little bit more into it than I was. And she kind of started telling me, well, there's more than the sun. There's also like the moon and the other planets. Um, and I was like, okay, that sounds interesting. And then a couple months later, like something in my head was like, no, you should, you should go look at this. <laughs> so, and, and there's a lot more to it than you would just, you know, just from the basic stuff. There's so much more. I think that's kind of interesting though, that you just heard this little voice kind of in, in the midst of some general turmoil perhaps. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I was also curious. Like, did you always kind of have a strong sense of intuition naturally mm. leading well, up to that point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, I think that is true. Um, but I also think that after that point, I started being able to listen to it more and develop it more. I think especially, you know, when we're kids, a lot of us are very intuitive and then we get kind of like, you know, indoctrinated or we get into these like programs of school tells us these things parents tells us these things and we stop listening to ourselves um even though that voice is always there you know but we just don't hear it anymore so I think that around that time I started being able to hear it more clearly again and I started following it more I think that's really interesting and maybe something we can revisit at the end if we have time because uh -huh. I, I wonder if especially for adoptees we we get particularly like disconnected from our intuition sometimes because of all the the, the layers of experience mm -hmm. and assimilation and whatnot that we that we go through. Yeah, 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 for sure. Do you think if if this is possible, you could give us a little astrology one hundred and one and mm -hmm. like and what is a birth chart for people? who have no idea and for people who are probably very skeptical. Uh-huh. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of people are, are quite skeptical. <laughs> but usually that's because, that's because they only know um, the one thing, which is people just know their sun sign. And, you know, everyone who was born in the same, like, 30-day period as you has the same sun sign. And so then, like, and you know, you know that you're not, like, the person that was born, like, two days after you. Like, you're different people. So... Yeah, even, you know, when I, like, before I was into astrology, I was like, yeah, it does seem a little bit generalized or unrealistic. Mm -hmm. uh, but the thing to understand about astrology is that there's so much more than just the sun. So in astrology, we use um, all of the planets uh, and the moon as well. Um, and then even some asteroids are used. So, and those give another, like, level of dimension to the reading. So the sun has to do kind of with who you are, um, like, and, and what you want to achieve. But there's also so much more to you, right? The moon has to do with your emotions and, and, and how you feel and how you're nurtured. 
And Venus has to do with how you're loved and, and Mercury has to do with how you speak and express yourself and communicate. So, and all of these planets, like even if you were born on the exact same day as somebody else, they're all uh, they're all in different places because the planets the, those planets move at a different rate, right? The sun's moving one space per day, but all those planets are moving at a different rate. So that's like kind of like the first block, um, and then the second part of astrology is the signs. Um, and so you know your sun might be uh, in one sign, but then your moon is in another sign, and that's another like difference between you and a person who was born on a different day is that the 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 signs of the other planets are different. And the signs are kind of like how the energy expresses itself. So if I like give you the example of Venus and I say Venus is like your love energy. Um, and then I say, okay, you have Venus in Gemini and Venus in Gemini is very flirty. It likes to talk to people, it likes to socialize. Maybe it's not necessarily like going for the committed thing. Like it's, it's just really enjoying the company <laughs> of the people. With, right. And so, and so that's like, and that's how it expresses itself in Gemini. Whereas if you have maybe, uh, Venus in, in Capricorn and, and then you really feel like like all oh, like the Capricorn is about commitment it's about like like long-term long-term things like hard work and so Venus in Capricorn might be like I'm in it for the long haul I just want this one person like we're gonna get married we're gonna like if we have problems we're gonna work on them um, and so it just expresses itself um, differently um, and so those are, those are the first two parts. And then the final part, uh, is the, is the houses, uh, and the houses are basically like the area of life that the sign uh, that this planet expresses itself in. So the planet is like what the energy is, the sign is how it expresses, and then the house is where it expresses. So if I have this, uh, Venus in Gemini, flirty, like flirty Gemini, and then I, that expresses itself um, maybe it expresses itself and it, maybe it's in the 10th house because the house is this 10th house is the house of career. So maybe I'm just flirting with all the people at work and I really feel like kind of lit up at work and like, you know, I could bring like my best, like loving self to work. Um, or maybe it expresses itself, um, in the fourth house, which is about like the home. So I feel really good when I'm in my home. I feel like really a lot of loving relationship with my family or like, I really want my partner to move in with me quickly because I just feel so much love inside the home so it's like you combine all of those three things and then you start to get an idea of who the person is does that make sense it is, it is a lot. <laughs> can can i ask a question i don't want to derail this conversation at all but i'm just really interested in like whether those sorts of characteristics or tendencies are immutable are they like things that you just carry with you they're like Mm. tendencies that you yeah. can unlearn or right 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 yeah so there is um there is something about the energy that is always going to be with you but it, it, it can express itself in different ways like different levels of vibration right because it, the, this is all just it's all just energy and we can express energy negatively or positively and so so something like if it's going to be with you your whole life and actually like it's really who you are and once you really discover it and you discover what it is then it, it feels right to you in a kind of way if that makes sense because it's just it's just who you are um but sometimes like sometimes these aspects are more difficult and so they're causing difficulties in our life so we want to figure out what is the positive way to express them like i gave that example of 
the aspects in my chart that's like either you're going to be a spiritual person or you're going to be mentally ill and like I was like obviously don't want to be depressed and anxious my whole life <laughs> so <laughs> but I can take time right I can take time to like meditate and check in with my feelings and like be creative and do these things to help me express that side of myself without getting dragged down into like feeling awful all the time does that make sense so what we've done is um we've given Mallory the the details of our birth in advance um as as best as we know them because we're adoptees and so so that's our um date time and place of birth so I think um Ryan do you do you know that your details are all accurate accurate yeah or birth details yeah. Yes. Okay. And in my case, they're mostly accurate except for the, the time of birth. So so what we've done is um, asked Mallory to look into our birth trust um, <laughs> before this episode and and now we have no idea what's gonna come out. Which is kind of it's kind of exciting, right? Exciting yeah. and nerve wracking. Yeah. <laughs> um, and neither of us have really looked at our birth charts before, right? Mm. Mm. Except on that CoStar astrology app, you know. Yeah. Anyway, which is, I think, um, yeah, kind of a, a simple overview. Anyway, so. Uh, okay, well, I guess I will do Ryan's first. So, Ryan, do you, do you know much about, um, like, about being, because you're a Gemini, and you have your moon in uh, Virgo, so do you know much about being a Gemini, or is that all? No, I, I know only the, like, women's weekly horoscope. Uh-huh. That's, that's, like, it. <laughs> Yeah, um, so I'm going to share my screen with you, um, even though, you know, your listeners won't be able to. to oh, wow. Uh, wow. Can you see? Yeah, I think you can just see Ryan's, right? It's May 28th, 1985 um, at 410 a.m. Uh, in Masan, Korea. Um, okay, yeah, so this is what a chart looks like. It looks like a circle uh, for, for everyone who's just listening. Um, and so in the circle, you can see the signs are going around the outside edge, um, and then the planets are going around here on the inside edge. And then as I told you, they're divided up into these sections and these sections are called um, the houses. That's divided up into 12, circles divided up into 12, like little, I guess, little sections. Uh, <laughs> and those are the houses. Yeah, so you have the, um, the sun in Gemini. Uh, and so the sun in Gemini uh, is, wants to express itself, is, is very communicative. Um, it's very much about uh, having uh, different, lots of different relationships. It likes meeting different kinds of people because it's always like it's it's really interested in uh, collecting up uh, knowledge and and just learning as much as it, it can I'm going to try to so normally I, when I do a birth chart uh, I usually talk about all of the different aspects but I'm going to try to for you guys talk a little bit about um, the aspects that like may have had to do with your like adoption uh, journey mm. uh, as well because I think that that will be you know, because I could spend like 30 minutes or an hour just talking about a birth chart and I'm trying to condense it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so for you, um, one of the the biggest things, and this is just a big thing in, in your chart anyway, and it would just, it would, like I would talk to you about this anyway, but I think like especially when we were talking about adoption and, and is that uh, you have the sun conjunct Chiron. Um, so conjunct means together with. Uh, it just means that the... the Sun was next to Chiron, which is actually a comet. Uh, and so Chiron mythologically is the is the archetype of the wounded healer. Uh, so Chiron represents a place where we feel uh, wounded in ourselves and we feel like something is wrong with us. 
Uh, and everybody has it, but, but people have it to like a different extent. Like some people it doesn't really register for, um, or some people maybe they have it just in one area of your life, of their life. But for you, it's really strong. Um, and it's, it's because it's, because it's connected to your son and the son is, as I said, is the core of who you are. It's just like the essence of, of what you want to be and what you want to express. And so with Chiron and Gemini next to the sun, it, it, there is a sense that like something is different inside of me something is something is wrong like something like the way that i'm speaking uh is is not being heard um the way that i express myself like it doesn't get reflect like people don't reflect back to me that that is that, that that's all right so like for you like as when i was looking at this i thought this is really good that you actually do this podcast because it's like probably very healing for you to be able to like express yourself um because that's what you know you kind of need to do with any of these wounds is like you know, is, uh, is, is, is find a way to, to work with them and, and incorporate them in, into your life. Um, you know, and obviously we could see like a, another person might have some conduct Chiron who wasn't an adoptee um, um, and they would have a similar issue to you. But for you, there's probably a feeling that something about this comes from the fact that I, I was not, that I was different than other people, right? Like I was raised like, like, you know, maybe I was like a Korean person and, and everyone around me was white or, uh, you know, however uh, it was for you. So that, that, that feeling in your life of difference, it would have come to you kind of naturally, like because of life events, but the energy that underlies it um, is an energy uh, that like would have been there regardless of what those life events were. Like it's the energy of, of I'm not secure with the way that I um, express myself for some reason. Um, so yeah, and it's very, I mean, it's very positive for you. Again, like it's like doing the podcast is, is healing for you, but it's also could because when you have Chiron so prominent in your chart, it shows that you're able to help other people as well. So like whenever you do any of this work on like, I'm going to really face like the fact that I feel different. I'm going to face the fact that I feel insecure about things then when you meet other people who have that same issue like you really can show that to them like oh like like that this is um you know this is something that you can you can work with and you don't have to be stuck does that make sense mm -hmm. do you resonate with that um i don't i guess so um, uh -huh. i mean the the other thing that i'm thinking is that you know i don't want to i don't want to suggest that it, it's a it's a wound or anything but I'm also, I'm also trans. So I think that also like kind of. Oh yeah. 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 That, that definitely, um, you know, that as I said, cause you're working with this underlying sense of something about me just feels a little bit off. And so and that can, that can manifest in, in multiple ways. Like for if you were trans in a, in a community and a culture that was just like, Oh yeah, that's a hundred percent fine. Like, uh, and you wouldn't necessarily feel it as a wound, right? But I think a lot of people, trans people do feel it as a wound because a lot of them, you get this reflection back that this is not okay. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, so that's, that's, uh, that's one part of your chart that, uh, that I think really stands out. So then the other parts of the chart that are like really, really important um, are the, the moon. So you have the moon in Virgo, which is, um, I'm going to talk a lot about Virgo when I get to Hannah's chart because Hannah's got it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, but the moon in Virgo is really about like wanting to serve people. Um, and again, like wanting to help people, maybe not necessarily like in a healing kind of way, but just really wanting to be of service and wanting to do good for other people. 
there is like a, a bit of a conflict between the sun and the moon for you, which isn't necessarily like, that's not necessarily about like being an adoptee. Um, like a lot of people have this, um, but like where it was kind of like what I need is different than what I want. So the sun is like, I really want to serve people. I really want to like, uh, like, you know, like, I really want to just put myself out there and like, and you know, really like the, the, the thing about service and then this, but the sun and Gemini is like, Oh, I just want to go have fun. So there's like a little conflict between part of me that's like, wants to go have fun and part of you that's like, Oh no, but I should really be doing more to, to, to help. And like, it's not good enough to just have fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the final part that's really important is the, just so much of astrology that's really important um so the ascendant um and the ascendant actually this is this is the part where you really need to know the time of birth so this is maybe for some adoptees this would be difficult to to know um but the ascendant has to do uh with uh with how you present yourself to the world so your ascendant is in taurus and taurus is a like very calm steady sign so like you present yourself like First of all, it's being quite quite grounded, even though actually the Gemini sun is not very grounded. It's just like the flip. But like there's like, you know, when people first meet you, they're like, oh, yeah, he's very like calm. And like, you know, he gives me this feeling of like, like everything is okay. And like, we can be like at ease. Um, but then they get to know you and they realize that, you know, you're, you're <laughs> <laughs> tiny little Gemini. Um, so... Yeah, um, and actually for you, so so there's another part like you have this the the North Node, which is a mathematical point. It's not a it's not a planet, um, but it has to do with kind of where we're going in our life. Um, and so your North Node is conjunct is conjunct uh, the Ascendant, which means that like really there's a very strong mission in life to understand who you are. Um, then this life has a lot for you to do, a lot to do um, for you with, with about establishing that sense of identity, which is maybe why you have had so many experiences where you like haven't haven't known who you were, or where you had to kind of like carve out a sense of identity, like being trans or being a Korean adoptee. Like all of these are are situations where you are like, how do I stake a claim on my identity? And you have to like work through these issues. And it's really important, like, from what I can just tell, it seems like you're working on these things very well because it, it seems like you are moving towards them, like, you are moving towards, like, like figuring out who you are. But it's going to be, like, a lifelong process of, like, establishing, like, this is this is my my identity and this is my place, this is my peace, mm. you know, this is my peace of, like, this is my life. Um, so does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any questions? Um, <laughs> uh, no, I'm just. No. It's, yeah. It's very, very. You know, time, <laughs> uh-huh, I know a lot of times when I do readings for people, like they're just kind of like, whoa. <laughs> um, so actually, I think maybe I'll start talking a little bit about um, Hannah's chart now because I think that there's some there's some interesting differences between your mm. chart and Hannah's chart and what um, Hannah is trying to to do. Um, and can I just yeah. can I just check in? Um, Ryan, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you okay with like all the just getting all that information? Um, suddenly, I feel like uh, I just want to be like a responsible podcast partner and like just check in because that, that was a lot with like Chiron and like uh-huh. Taurus and like you know identity. No, I think it was. It, no, yeah, I'm. I'm feeling fine. Thanks. <laughs> That's really 
yeah, interesting. A lot to think about. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because Ryan was always like, oh, I don't, I don't identify much with being a Gemini. Like maybe I'm, I'm actually a Taurus. And I think, yeah, the fact that like you have these, um, these earth signs like prominently in your chart. I think that makes sense because like I often experience Ryan as, as a fellow earth sign or something. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's certainly like there are, there are like, because we need to go and, uh, and develop the sun. We don't always feel like the sun. I mean, especially if you have um, some, some wounding around there around, then it's, then it's harder to feel like that because it's like, I'm not so, so comfortable with that. Um, and then he does have quite a few earth signs with the ascendant and earth sign and then the moon and then earth sign. So it's normal that like there's so many things clustered in the Taurus and the Gemini as the sun and the moon. Uh, I mean, it's not like really, really normal, but it's not really, really strange. <laughs> uh, so some people have, uh, some people have more organized charts than others. I'm going to say that um, you two both have or more slightly more organized charts than, than other people. And Hannah's chart, when I show it to you, is, is more organized than yours. Your chart, like you can see that you do have a lot clustered in Taurus and Gemini, but then the rest of the planets are kind of spread out um, mm. all over the place. Whereas Hannah's chart, when I show it to you, you're going to be like, whoa, all the planets are together. Um <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> so, so the, no, don't be scared. There are gaps. Um, I, I don't know how to read the symbols, but there's like, I can see at least three mm -hmm. um, like pieces that have no, oh my God, I'm explaining this so terribly. No like sign in them. So you're talking about how there's like, um, the, the, it's like divided into the 12 little triangles inside the circle, right? Mm. And so that's the, those are the, those are the houses. And then mm. you have, um, the 11th house here, you have the third house here, you have the ninth house here that have nothing in them. Yeah. Um, and so that just means that those areas of life just aren't as prominent for you. They're just, right. I mean, everyone, everyone experiences all of the houses, but mm. somebody who, um, who doesn't have like a planet in that, that house might just experience that area less. So, nice. and it really, it, it really depends on the whole, the whole chart because like you don't have anything in the third house, which is the house of like communication, but you have this sun Chiron conjunction in Gemini, which like wants to express itself and wants to communicate. So it's, mm. it's, it really, you have to look at the, the whole picture. Whole thing. Mm. Mm -hmm. Wow. That was like, that was super interesting to see Ryan's chart. <laughs> um, <laughs> Let's move on to Hannah. Yeah, okay, let's move on to Hannah. Yeah, because I want to tell you, I want to tell you about some of the kind of the, the differences uh, uh, in your chart, mm. which I think are really, I think this is quite quite interesting. So this is Hannah's chart. Um, wow! Yeah, you can see it's very different, right? And you can see that it's more organized. So I think I was saying about like Ryan's chart is Ryan is trying to establish who they are, like, like what is, what is that sense of identity? Um, but for Hannah, like actually part of what you're trying to do is you're trying to let that go a little bit. And I think you can see like how, you know, you both maybe have this similar experience of being a Korean adoptee, being a person who 
um, grew up in a, in a different country than you were born in, grew up maybe around people who look different than you. Um, but that for each of you, the underlying like kind of energetic or mythological journey that you're on is, is different. So one of the, the biggest things that stands out to me um, for Hannah is that Hannah has her son in the, in the 12th house. Um, and this is, uh, this is really good if you told me that you were born just after sunrise, right? Um, so this is very good if like you're a Korean adoptee, you don't know what time you were born, but you know that it was like, at, like just after sunrise, like that's enough. I can figure out, um, where the placement should oh, be. Good. Is um, it not, yeah. not an exact time? I'm curious. Like, it's really helpful to have it within 30 minutes or an hour. Um, basically what that changes the most is it changes the, uh, placements of the house, uh, placements of the planets in the houses. So um, we're uh, looking at your chart right now, and and you can see that your sun is like above the the mid, like there's a line going through the chart um, horizontally, and the sun is above that line. And anything that's above that horizontal line that goes through the circle, that means it's it's above, it's risen in the sky, right? And you told me that your son was risen. So, so I just put it up there. Um, so, but if you don't know at all what your time of birth is. Um, this is okay. It just means that like you don't know, like it's hard to know where the houses are. It's hard to know um, certain aspects of the chart, but you can make a chart based on other things, based on whether, whether they are on the signs or the aspects that they're making. So it's, it's okay if you don't know the time. Um, okay. But it's really helpful that you knew it was after sunrise because that tells me that your son is in the 12th house. In the 12th house, so when we think about the um, zodiac, there's 12 houses and they're all kind of like a journey of development. Um, and then, so the first, the first house, which is where Ryan is, uh, has got their son in the, um, in the first house. Um, and that has to do with establishing who you are. Um, and then we go through this journey uh, of all these 12 houses. Um, of, of, we've established who we are. Then maybe we establish, you know, like what we need, like what possessions we want or how we talk to people or who our family is. It's like, it's like each house is, is like a lesson, like each house is a, is a, is a journey in this, um, this great big circle. Um, and so the, by the time we get to the 12th house, the 12th house is the last house. And so we've, we figured out all this stuff about ourselves. Um, like, you know, we figured it like you buy a career, family, all this stuff. And then by the time you get to the 12th house with your son in the 12th house, uh, it means like now I have established who I am and I'm ready to like, let go of that and dissolve that um, and kind of enter into the greater collective consciousness this greater thing that like all humans are and just like let go of my boundaries and lose myself into the into that mystical experience of being one again (laughs) (laughs) which i know sounds a little bit cosmic um so but so this has to do with you know like not maybe maybe letting go of this need to have an identity um and so usually when we have planets in the 12th house they're um they feel like a little bit lost to us somehow. Um, they feel like, uh, like we can't quite access them. So there would have been a feeling, I think probably, especially when you were younger of, of not really knowing who you are, but for, for Ryan, like where his, he might've had this experience and, and what it means for him, they need to like make a claim on their identity. Right. But for you, Hannah, it has more to do with like, I'm going to, let go of this need to be a person who has a, has a strong sense of identity and I'm going to learn to relate to everyone. And I'm going to learn that I am part of the whole world and I don't need to like, 
you know, uh, be a Korean or, or uh, be an Australian or, or be a whatever. Like I, I just am connected to all of life and all of humanity. Um, and I can let go of these like kind of boundaries that are um, separating us. Uh, so that sounds quite spiritual, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm just trying to like relate it a little bit. Um, so I was absolutely like lost as a child and uh, adolescent and through probably through most of my 20s. Um, mm-hmm. But but also always had a very strong interest for some reason in things like religion and spirituality. And mm-hmm. I, I explored a lot of different like organizations and schools of thought and yeah so I, I don't know I'm just wondering if um if that's how it kind of expressed itself in my life yeah yeah no so that is that is definitely uh what is it when I was like telling you the story of how I have this one aspect in my chart I don't have the sun in the 12th house but I have the moon in the 12th house and um so when you have major planets in the 12th house like it's like this kind of ultimatum of like you are either going to feel lost or like something is missing or you have to, um, you have to like go and discover your spirituality and discover your connection to everything. Um, mm. Because it is called, like, as I said, it's like this journey, right? Where in the first house we f- figure out who we are and we're figuring out who we are. And then by the time we get to the 12th house, this is like called the house of self undoing, like we're losing the self. And so we can either lose the self in experiences that are painful, um, which most of us do before we know any better. Um, or we can lose ourselves in experiences that we're like, oh, it's like, it's okay to lose myself. Like, I know that I'm connected. Um, so for you, like, you know, meditation, spirituality, like it really can help that sense of being, of being lost. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is maybe uh, a reminder to like pick up my meditation practice again, because um, it's something that I, I, I diligently tried to do for, for many years, but I also found it really hard and I know that a lot of people find it hard but and also kind of like scary as well mm-hmm. to look within and just sit with whatever was mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. um but I but I feel like even just having this conversation with you now because because I've been thinking lately about like oh you know <laughs> I think some kind of meditation practice would would help me um right mm-hmm. now and I've been like kind of on the fence about recommitting to it though? Maybe there'd be like two things that would help you with uh, the meditation. And, and one is that I think a, a mantra practice would probably be really good for you because you have all this Virgo energy and Virgo really likes things to be in order. Um, and it <laughs> likes, <laughs> yeah, it just, it just likes, it likes to have like instructions and it's just going to go like, you know, and do the thing. And so, and so I think a mantra <laughs> practice, is, it's just really helpful because it's like, that's what you do. You know, you're just, saying the mantra and like it's it's and that's all you need to do and you have like you have this kind of system for for doing it um but the second thing um and this is a, a, a like maybe the exact opposite of advice but um it's good for you to kind of like allow uh allow yourself to to work with what's coming up like because there's a lot of with the sun in the 12th house there's a lot of visionary talent there's a lot of uh creativity there's a lot of uh, inspiration that can come through and so you don't want to be blocking that. So if you sit down in meditation, like maybe you do the mantra for a little while, but like don't be afraid to like let something 
like new come up like don't like just like suddenly i'm thinking about this or thinking about something in a different like way like that's not wrong you know we don't in meditation you don't need to always stop yourself from thinking like so mm. just letting it arise because it is very intuitive to have your son in the 12th house but you need to start listening to it as we were talking about it before right like mallory i was just wondering um like i just had a question about my chart about you know, having all of these planets in Virgo, uh-huh. is that unusual or is there um, anything else kind of noteworthy about that? I just feel like, I, yeah. I'm <laughs> <laughs> it's not that common, no, to have, um, oh. to have, if you have more than uh, four planets in the same sign, uh, which uh, you do, you have the sun, Mercury, moon, and Venus uh, all in Virgo. Um, and that's called a stellium. Um, and it just means that uh, there's just a lot of energy concentrated in that sign. Uh, so, so there's good things and, and bad things about it uh, for you particularly, um, like, cause Virgo, as you said, it's like, it really likes things being in order. It's a little bit controlling. Like it likes, to, <laughs> I mean, it like, it's not controlling. It's just like, it likes to tick the boxes, you know, and anything that's not, yeah. in, the, that's not in the boxes, it, it's like, I don't like that. And so this is like, you know, it's good for you. I think we were just talking about like kind of letting go in meditation and just letting whatever comes up, come up. Like that's maybe part of you that is harder for you to access because you just have so much of this Virgo energy that's just like, likes to like have that control that, you know, like let's make a list and just check off all the things on the list. You know, we believe that the, the soul kind of picks the chart or picks the the it kind of when it incarnates when it decides to be born it decides to be born at that time uh for a reason um and so mm. when the chart is more organized meaning it's got like certain themes that are really standing out like it just, it means that like these were really this is like what the soul was like i really need to work on it is in this lifetime like so for you there's like there's this uh, real need to work on like you know like the virgos like being of service and being like um so the ultimate end goal of Virgo is perfection. Um, and <laughs> when people talk about Virgos, they got this big stereotype, like Virgos are so, um, you know, they're so OCD or they're so like, you know, but it's really because Virgos can see the ideal and they're like, I want things to be that way. But the lesson that they need to learn is that perfection is just something that exists in all things at all times because like everything actually already is perfect as everything comes from. Wow. Yeah. You know, so that's like, it just means that that's like a huge lesson in your life is like letting go of that need to like make things perfect and just, um, you know, letting yourself off the hook and realizing that things are good as, as they are. Um, is, is, um, I'm just curious, is like self-acceptance and self-compassion, self-love, is that, uh, well, I think for me, uh, it's still an ongoing, like, uh, mm-hmm. theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think that would make sense with the chart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that is, I mean, that's, that's a big thing for, for Virgo. It's a big thing for, for everybody, right? Like, even if you don't have mm-hmm. stuff, stuff in Virgo, I was saying Ryan with the kind of like the sun and the, and the Chiron, the wound. It's like, I mean, the self, that is self-acceptance, self-compassion. That's what heals you. Um, so yeah, with the, with the Virgo, there's definitely that tendency of like how, um, 
Like I can see everything that's wrong. You know, like I, when I look, it's like looking at yourself with one of those mirrors that um, magnifies your face and being able to see all your pimples and like all of your, you know, like blackheads and stuff. And, and so Virgos really have this like fine de- detail level of, of seeing. So being able to accept yourself, even though you have such a strong critical lens of yourself is really, mm. really important. And is that usually turn, turned on the self as opposed to turned on others? Like that desire for order and perfection? Mm. Is that usually like kind of a self? Yeah, so um, this, is, this has to do, as I was saying at the beginning, uh, with, that, with the houses, which is where the, where the kind of planets are. Play. So, so um, Hannah, Hannah's uh, would experience it as, as being something about herself. Like mm. she has the, um, she has it in the first and the 12th house, but another person might experience it as like, you know, never being able to find the perfect partner because they can always just see their partner's flaws. When it's really, <laughs> really, you know, about them, like learning how to chill out, like, and I think I have that too, by the way. Well, I mean, anyone, anyone with that much Virgo is going to struggle in multiple oh, areas. Of life. Oh. Yeah, oh, that sense of perfection. It's true. Yeah, because you've got Venus and Virgo too, and Venus is about love. So it's like your whole, like, like yeah, your love life is colored by this energy of perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Th- all of that is pretty on point (laughs) (laughs) well I was gonna ask maybe if you could speak a little bit more about how astrology might be helpful for adoptees you know especially if they not only don't know the time of birth but even the day um is there you know are there ways that they could still Uh access some of this teaching and yeah. Well, I think that the the day would probably be that would be pretty hard <laughs> if you didn't know the day. Okay. Um, there are lots of other intuitive um, methods. Uh, astrology is not the only one. Um, so, if anybody you know is, is looking for um, this kind of intuitive guidance and they just they just absolutely don't know when they were born, I would like suggest. Um, like another kind of reading, um, uh, tarot reading or like uh, palm reading, um, because you can get a lot of the same information and you don't need to know the, the day. With the, the, the time, uh, I was saying like a little bit earlier, like it's not like the be all and end all because there's still so much you can know without the time. Mm-hmm. And there's also methods um, that you can find out the time by uh, looking at the life as, as a whole. So I can look at um, uh, you know, the things that have happened to you in your life, your events and kind of track them and, um, and make a really good, uh, uh, estimation of, of the time. So the time is not, uh, if you don't know that it's, it's not like the end of the world. Um, yeah. So, and I think that we said that we've just been talking about this, like the whole time, the, the biggest thing that astrology can help Korean adoptees or really anyone with, um, is understanding, kind of like the underlying energies of their life um, and what's the best way to, um, to express them. So like we were talking about for Hannah, like maybe there's this feeling of, of being lost um, and then finding that way to, uh, to connect to, to all things. 
um, or for Orion, like um, having that sense that maybe something is is wrong with me and, and figuring out the way to like be who you are no matter what. Um, and so I think that this, like it helps to kind of contextualize your experiences. There's a, there's a story, it's a, a, a Buddhist, a, a, like a Buddhist fable um, about like a, an acorn and an oak tree um, and, and how the, the oak tree doesn't come from the acorn. The acorn comes from the oak. So what astrology shows you is, is who you are and, and where you're going and what you're becoming and the highest potential of yourself. And then that helps you understand why you came from where you did. You know, I had to have these experiences of struggling and feeling lost or feeling like something was wrong with me in order to like have this experience of, of who I really am, like, or in order to learn who I really was, or in order to learn how to let go of, who, of, of what I think I am. Or, so it, it, gives you, it gives you kind of a sense that even though bad things might have happened to you, they happen to you for a reason. And then that reason was compassionate. That reason was good. Um, and that, that you have the ability to develop yourself um, from, from even what might seem like the darkest of places. I was also curious if we could just hear a little bit more about, I know this is a huge question, but about say how you personally developed your own intuition or started listening to it. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Um, If I was going to give anybody advice about how to do it is that it is, like, it's a process. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not something that is just immediately uh, uh, can can do. Um, And it's it's kind of like a trial and error process. So, like, you you get really quiet and you listen and maybe you hear something and you follow that and you just see where that leads. Um, And... And usually if that's your intuition, it's going to kind of lead you to where you want to go. But we might have all these other kinds of voices in our head that are telling us we need to do a certain thing, but that's not really our intuition. It's just kind of like, like, oh, that's my mother's voice, you know, telling me I need to do this. And so it's like, <laughs> you got to learn how to, how to differentiate those things. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a process. You don't, you don't get it all at once. Um, definitely taking time to be quiet, taking time to, kind of shut out any distractions and just seeing what arises because the other thing I think that when we, we want to access our intuition, usually we want to access it because something is going wrong. Like, because we're like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know. And, and a lot of times when we're in that state of mind, that's when it, it doesn't come like it, because we're, we're just, that's when we're too worried. And when you're in fear, when you're worried, your intuition can't get through. So if nothing comes, like, that's okay. Like, and just wait and come back when you're not feeling as, as anxious or just trust that, that it will be there when, when you need it to be. It's not, I mean, I'm not saying it's not reliable, but it's just not always a thing that like is going to tell you like, this is exactly what you need to do to get to where you go. Like, it's not like here are all the steps. It's like, oh, I'm feeling a pull towards this way. And then you just go that way. And then that's the right place to go. But it's not like a, this is the answer. Um, yes. And yeah. I think 
because my Virgo energy, I'm probably always just looking for like you want the, steps. the right answer. Like, tell me the steps. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you do. It's like I just need the steps. Just tell me all the steps, and then I'll do it. Like if you, if you tell me exactly how it's going to be, then I'll trust you. Um, yeah. So that's that's yeah. That's a good one for you to work on. Is like that, like letting go because it's just this. It's just like this is the first step. You know, I read once, and, and this really resonated with me, uh, that like, our, like in our, and when we come into this, into this life, that we kind of have a plan. And, but we forget what the plan is, right? This is a lot of philosophers have talked about this for like thousands of years, is that we like have a plan and we forget, forget what this plan is for whatever reason. Um, but we don't actually entirely forget. We don't, we forget in our mind, but we don't forget mm-hmm. in our heart. And so when your heart is telling you something, your heart is saying, go this way, then that's like, that's the, that was the plan. But your heart can't tell you in these words where it's like, this is going to go lead to this. And then this is going to work out. And this is going to be exactly what we wanted. Your heart just feels your heart just, just knows. Um, and so that's like, you know, accessing that intuition is just trusting that this feeling that I have this internal knowing that this is enough you know, that this isn't enough to guide me. So do you see I the think, healing, sorry, do you see the healing work as that kind of uncovering and learning to listen again and learning to be more attuned again to, uh-huh. you know, that? Yeah, 100%, because all healing work, all it really is, is it's connecting you back to who you truly are, right? right? And that's underneath all of this, like, you know, trauma, it's underneath all of these, things that we're supposed to do, what people told us we were supposed to, it's underneath all of that is, is who we really are. Um, and intuition is just a little, like, it's just like a little connecting voice between who we really are and, and, you know, like our ego mind or whatever. Um, Mm. all healing work is just peeling back those layers, peeling them back, peeling them back so that we can be, you know, in this life more completely connected, like to our deepest and truest selves. I just wanted to say, I think when I was younger in my early 20s, when I heard this concept of like, you know, choosing our souls, choosing what we want to to work, to what we want to work with in our lifetimes and what lessons we want to experience. And and the, the idea that we, we choose our own parents as a part of um Like when I first heard that idea, I really rejected it because I was like, that is, I don't know, it just felt like a, kind of almost a cruel joke, like particularly for adoptees who, you know, had abusive families and things like that. Um, I don't know what exactly what I'm asking, but I'm curious. Um, yeah, I think that is, I mean, I think that is a really, when you look at an experience you have and it's bad and, and then you could say, how, how, why would I have ever chosen that? Um, and I think that it has a lot to do with, you know, when you really do the healing work, um, there's like an expression, um, uh, I'm better off healed than I ever was unbroken. So when you do the healing work and you really realize how much compassion you can generate for not only yourself, but for other people and how much it enriches your life um, that you did suffer you know, um, which obviously you don't want to say to a person who's like immediately suffering, like, like, Oh no, this is, this is all for your own good. It's going to be like, no, somebody's suffering. Like that's, they need compassion. They don't need to be told it's all for their own good. Um, but when you get to that point where you can look back on it, 
then you do kind of realize like, I'm so glad to be who I am. I'm so glad to have experienced what I did because if I hadn't, like I wouldn't be, be where I am now. I was just wondering, so I have never dated anyone. Oh, maybe, maybe like one person that had like a compatible sun sign. Okay. This is good. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, if you find out that, um, your partner, yeah, the person you're dating does not have a compatible sun sign. Uh Is there any need to do anything? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so this is actually, I mean, a pretty big question, but I'll try to answer it, like, in a pretty succinct oh, okay. Uh, okay. So the first thing is that the sun sign is not the most important thing in relationships um, because the sun has to do with, like, kind of, like, what drives me and, and, and what I want to accomplish, which doesn't necessarily have to do with your partner, right? So the things that have to do with your partner have to do with how you express your feelings, which is the moon, it has to do with what you love and what you value, which is Venus, and it has to do with, um, you know, the physical sexual attraction, which is Mars. So when people have incompatible sun signs, it does not mean that the other three things are not compatible. So it's better to have those three things compatible than the sun. So that's the first answer. And then the second part of it is that we all have... um, inside of us like we all have inner conflicts we all have our own problems like because like we don't like our our energies don't necessarily agree all the time and so somebody could like you know really like be like negatively affecting your son or incompatible with your son but they're also really compatible with another aspect of you yes this is a lot too you have to actually look at individual chart by individual chart but i would not if somebody was like oh you're a virgo you shouldn't date a sagittarius I would, I would be like, no, that's like, that's not quite how that works. (laughs) Okay. So basically you have to like really low key ask that person, Hey, like exactly the whole time. Right. Yeah. That's exactly it. You just gotta, you gotta find out all that information. That's a much more extensive vetting process. Than, uh, yeah. than just comparing yeah. some signs. You got to sneakily, you got to ask them. <laughs> Thank you so much for meeting with us. This was so interesting. And um, I really appreciate your time and, and your expertise in explaining all this stuff. Because, yeah, honestly, I'm looking at your screen and I'm just like... <laughs> zero idea what this all means so really appreciate working yeah talking it through with with us yeah yeah Yeah, thank you so much for being on the program so thank you so much for having me um and maybe we can like have you back to talk about like shamanic healing and some of the other yeah 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 that would be awesome yeah yeah definitely My my mind is like racing. <laughs> I'm trying to. Uh, uh, <laughs> so can I ask? Because you know quite a lot about this stuff from my what I sense from you and previous conversations we've had. Did it feel like? Did what she said like really land in a right way for you? Well, uh, I already knew that I had all these planets in Virgo, right, in the one sign. Um, I already knew about 
Virgo energy, like striving for perfection <laughs> and order and, um, you know, just wanting to, to like get life right and, um, and serving people and all of that. So I already knew about that. Um, but there were just a couple of little things that she said that, uh, really made sense for me. Like that sounds vague, but, um, that overall, like, spiritual quest and like wanting to um be able to let go and uh, <laughs> connect with like the whole universe and like all things and all people um which sounds really really vague and kind of woo woo right but um but in my life because yeah you know I really like I was raised Catholic and then I was like actually this is bullshit like the Catholic Church as an institution is bullshit and like abusive and also yeah anyway they're just and then like through like other friends I even explored like other Christian churches for a while and then yeah I was like looking at Buddhism and um and other types of philosophy and yeah meditation and I always had that interest in making some meaning of my life I guess in a Mm. in a bigger sense um i thought yeah i thought it was really interesting like that she said because your son is in the 12th house that that's very much linked to your intuition is that right that it's like you go through this you're going through this process and it's this kind of like threading or like pulling toward pulling you toward this like that final state of oneness or something but you're like guided there through your intuition is that right or was I like kind of misunderstanding what she was saying um I mean we were talking about yeah connecting with your own intuition and about how intuition it's not like you kind of connect to the once you connect to the channel that it just like keeps telling you reliably this is exactly what you should do Mm. and you know here, here are all, you know, here's the next step and then the next step. That it's more like this kind of trial and error thing where you, um, where, where it's, where it's blocked if you have a lot of fear and anxiety about, about a situation and, and how it's just kind of, um, maybe more like a trail of breadcrumbs. But that, like, maybe path is too strong of a word, but that's leading you toward that sense of oneness. Yes, because I'm, so I think she said that um, our sun sign is like, represents what we're trying to do in our life generally. And because my sun sign is in the 12th house, Mm. my, on a kind of broad, like a very like upper level, I'm trying to achieve oneness with all things and like, um, and just let go, uh, yeah, become part of the whole universe or something. Mm. I mean, I'm curious. Like, so intuition is always, uh, that, that concept has always interested me because sometimes I don't think I have a very strong intuition and I find, like, decision-making and stuff really hard and, um, yeah, when it's, like, big life decisions, I kind of just, like, fresh about them for a long time. That's, that's interesting because... I- I think of you as someone with really strong sense of intuition, even if you have had moments or periods where you 
don't know what listening to it might mean. But like, I feel like you, like in my head, you're like, in my experience, you're someone that kind of has strong senses of things or like feelings about your situation or, you know, your relationships or whatever. I don't know if like you trust them immediately, you trust those feelings immediately, but I feel like you are kind of like guided by that, like more, more than like other friends that I know, I guess. I don't know. Well, that's nice to hear. I think I do get strong impressions of situations and people, but yeah, I don't trust it. Like there, uh, there's a lot of work to do there with, um, with trusting my feelings and, um, like following my first impulses and stuff like that. Uh. Hmm. I was also wondering what you think, you know, as, as someone that studied psychology, how do you kind of hold those two things together? So like your interest in astrology and your sort of psych degree, which I imagine was much more, was a very different type of teaching. Yeah. Do you feel like those things are sometimes intention or do you feel like they complement each other? Like, well, I know that, I, I, look, I think um, the psych community is sometimes really can be really narrow-minded, right? Because psychology has been, um, you know, I, I think since like the fifties or sixties, has wanted to really establish itself as a hard science, like you know, similar to biological medicine or something, and so. It's, it's always been like striving to just be taken more seriously and, um, you know, get funding and, you know, to, for psychologists to be seen as just like regular doctors or something, right? But, but the human, like, mind and, and psyche and emotions, I think, are so complex. And I think as well that there is this tension between um, – general clinical psychology and a lot of more alternative healing methods that haven't been um, scientifically and clinically verified or whatever, you know, they, they don't have like the, the clinical trials and like research papers to back them up. Mm. But I just think in my own life, like my healing, I just find healing and you know, useful practices and wise teachers wherever I can find them. Mm. Yeah. And so in my experience, I've definitely had to look like way beyond psychology. And also when I studied psychology, you know, I only did a, a bachelor's degree and an, an honours year um, in Australia. And so, and it just, it was a lot more narrow than I expected. Um, yeah, it was just a lot of learning how to do a literature review and, how to write a research paper, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, how to critically evaluate other studies, how to synthesise it, how to write, how to argue. You know, I'm not really sure if it helped me to understand other people or understand myself more. And if I'm honest, maybe that's what I was really looking for, like <laughs> to understand myself more. I don't think I'd really thought through, like, whether I want to you know, sit with other people in their, in their pain and suffering and, um, you know, clinically diagnose them or something, you know, hadn't really thought through the reality of that. So uh, did I even answer the question? Yeah. So that's <laughs> not the sort of Virgo and I don't know if that's an adjective, like Virgo-esque kind of service that you have 
probably that really propels you isn't the diagnostic kind of type of helping. I guess I'm like, if for myself, if, if uh, clinical psych- psychology hasn't been the most helpful healing method for myself personally, then that made me question whether I really want to devote my whole life to this and like, you know, the full minimum six years of study and mm. um, there's, it's quite demanding that study and um, I still wasn't entirely convinced whether psychology alone could really help people and, and change lives and things. And, and I know that probably in reality a lot of psychologists use a combination of different methods and mm. ideologies perhaps. Um, and I feel ready with like, you know how uh, mindfulness and, and mindfulness meditation has become this like huge area of study within psychology. So mm. I think with that you can kind of see the beginnings of like incorporating more um, more like ancient philosophy and Eastern spirituality with Western psychology. And, and that's the kind of area it's interested in, in going in. Mm. I was also thinking it's interesting how our, I don't want to call them journeys because they're not, I don't know what the word is, but like the trajectory that Mallory said that I'm on and the trajectory that Mallory said you're on, they kind of like, <laughs> um, not opposites, but kind of, you know, like, I guess, so I, I was thinking like, it was really interesting to reflect actually, because if I think about what captured my imagination and my thinking when I was doing my PhD and why I did my PhD on, on what I did was this really, like this really big question. Um, and I don't think it's a surprise that like, I was really drawn to think about nature because nature is considered this like oneness, right? It's like the ground of everything. And I think I've been so consumed about trying to understand the world because I think the world is incredibly confusing. And also that, that, you know, what underlies it, what grounds this and what grounds all of our experiences. Right. So in a weird way, I feel like I've been quite captured by this kind of more universal abstract in some ways, like idea. And now it's really interesting that my interests have started to shift a little bit to looking at more specific experiences. Um, And obviously now we're doing adoption research that's based on my experience. And like, I I think, and that's kind of the opposite direction that she sort of sees you as going on. Um, And the other thing I wanted to say that I thought was interesting before I forget it is, um, I always used to question why I was drawn to the things that I'm drawn to, you know, like why did I decide to do a PhD? Because like, frankly, it's not for money. Right. Or like, whatever. But like, why, you know, what, what drives me to seek out the things that I've sought out. And I think a part of explaining that to myself has been, well, it's my environment. It's my experiences. Like, you know, maybe being an adoptee means that I was never sure about who I was or like why this world is so confusing. Maybe that, has driven me to pursue knowledge and maybe that's why I'm still in school, you know, (laughs) or like still like uh, I can't leave the educational environment. Um, But it's interesting how she talked about it more as that sort of like, that's the energy that's driving as opposed to the Gemini energy, right? As opposed to like environmental factors or prior experiences or 
you know, all of that sort of stuff. Like, I think that's interesting because it kind of like takes it back to an even further point um, where it's like, maybe if I hadn't had the experiences that I've had, like historically, I still would be driven um, maybe to ask different questions, but that maybe I just have to accept that this is just kind of who I am and what drives me as opposed to trying to like explain it in terms of like past trauma or something, you know? Yes. Yes. So it goes to this deeper um, soul level that, <laughs> 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 that <laughs> this is what your, uh, your, your soul wanted to commit itself to for this lifetime. Mm. And the, yeah. And whatever your early childhood experiences um, had been that, you still would have been a very, like, curious, inquiring person that, that wants to make connections and, yeah, make, make sense of, of your identities and, and, you know, connect with similar communities and... Mm. Um, I think that that, that, that uh, Gemini energy does kind of make sense for you, though, in some ways. <laughs> You're like scratch you so? the surface and I'm just like <laughs> Yeah, and then scratch the surface and you're an earth sign. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense too, right? I I don't yeah, I guess like and again, you know what? Like it's so interesting because I've always put that down to like prior, you know, negative experiences. My parents said that when I was really young, I was really gregarious. I was really like happy, like, yeah, really kind of like cheery and out, like outspoken and extroverted. And then they said that they noticed, oh, I don't know if they said I, they noticed. I think I, no I noticed that then there was like this really sharp turn where I became incredibly introverted and painfully shy. And, mm -hmm. you know, like, I think when I think back on it, I, like I think I know why that is and I think that's like you know bad experiences but it's interesting that she talks about yeah I've ended up with this more external persona of being kind of like quiet and calm but underneath that or before that was this like super gregarious extroverted kid so it's again one of those interesting things where it's like yeah is that I guess if I take Mallory's point of view, then that's just something that was always be, always there. Whereas in my head, it's like, oh, something bad happened. And then it made me really quiet, you know? Were those experiences, was that like bullying and stuff or like, you know, the difficulties of like moving to different countries as a kid or? Well, I think part of it was um, like physically growing. So now that I understand that I'm trans, it makes a lot more sense. But when I was younger, it didn't. Like I just, I think when I hit puberty and my body started changing, it just really, mm -hmm. I think it really threw me. I like, I hated it. Um, I remember like I used to like pound my chest because I wanted it to stop. Like I wanted to stop growing mm -hmm. and it was really distressing and I just didn't have the language for that. I didn't understand what that was um, or meant. Um, I think became really embarrassed of my body. I also had like some negative experiences with like other kids that was like, I guess kind of like abusive, but I think mm -hmm. all of those things were kind of happening at once. And then it was like, Oh, I can't be this like free and expressive person anymore because all of a sudden I'm so painfully aware of myself and my body and 
mm-hmm. you know, distressed by that. So I think it changed my kind of my personality a lot. I like I retreated a lot. Is part of you like sad for that that little Ryan who <laughs> retreated? Um, you know, and also are there certain situations where you feel really safe and comfortable and loved where maybe like little outgoing Ryan like comes out again? <laughs> I think, um, oh, I think definitely like the last couple of years, I felt like a change just in my personality. And I think that's just also being more accepting and comfortable with who I am and how I look and, you know, being able to feel some sort of empowerment because I have some control over how I present, you know, um, I think getting surgery was, was huge in ways that I'm still like, you know, understanding. And I think even meeting my birth mother last year, it was almost a year ago now. I think that was, I think I mentioned that on the podcast before that like that is strangely empowering, even though, you know, I'm pretty sad about our relationship, just meeting her and seeing someone I'm related to just kind of, and seeing like photos of my half brothers, just like, Oh, like, I don't know, made me kind of a bit more like comfortable maybe with my body um, and how I look. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In lots of ways in my early to mid (laughs) thirties, I've been able to, to maybe hark back to that younger self in ways that I don't know. I'm not really sad that it couldn't have happened earlier. I think, I think definitely if I'd had more of an understanding about, diverse gender identities and if my parents had had that and if we'd lived in a more progressive society maybe the changes that I've gone through would have happened a lot sooner and you know maybe I would have ultimately been a lot happier but you know that's I I can't know that so I'm pretty happy with with how things have turned out um and Mm -hmm. you know taking uh taking HRT means like people think I'm a teenager so I've kind of (laughs) like (laughs) <laughs> managed to <laughs> go back in time in some way. <laughs> I just wanted to thank you for like talking about some of that stuff with me at least because yeah, I, I think there's like probably so much about your experience that I that I still don't know and it's like um it's like a, a privilege to to hear about that, you know, as as your friend and anyway. I think that's just like probably also testament to how much more comfortable I am. Like, I don't think that, you know, just all around, like I don't, yeah. To be able to, to put words to more of that stuff, you know, Um, it is kind of exhilarating and kind of nice to, to have this be probably like the definitive experience of my (laughs) thirties, you know, like my life has changed. My life has changed in a lot of ways. It's the same, but, has changed a lot, you know, in my thirties. And I remember when I was young and like, you know, struggling with depression, I was like, I'll be like so happy if I live till 21 or, and then I live till 21. I was like, I'll be so happy I live till 27. And like, I could never have imagined that this would be my life now. Wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. I, I'm so, um, I'm so happy for you and so grateful that, um, <laughs> That, that you're here now too. Like I'm, I'm so, 
<laughs> but, you know, I think it's like just that whole conversation with Mallory and then like um this conversation now. Um yeah, I I just think you're um like <laughs> a beautiful person and a beautiful friend and I'm really glad that you're here and I'm really glad that we get to do this podcast together and I just think you're um also amazing in creating the way that you create community and the way that you make projects happen and and your drive I like I know that you um you feel like sometimes like you're not productive enough or that like you know you you go through little slumps which is which is so normal but like to me you're you're amazingly productive and creative with a number of different projects I'm just I'm so glad you. that you got past 21 and 27 and and that like you're like flowering in in so many ways in your thirties. No, I am I am really grateful for for you also and you know your friendship and I love that we can do this and it's been really it's been really fun and like today's session was like <laughs> was just so different. Like I couldn't have imagined <laughs> when we started this that we would have our birth charts read and interpreted <laughs> and then broadcast. Um, was, was it confronting to hear about Chiron prominently in your chart? Like the wounded healer in your... Was I was that, like, I was like, isn't that just the like quintessential stereotypical like adoptee thing? Like, <laughs> I was like, where's my Chiron? Like surely <laughs> I have a wounded healer in here. <laughs> I think it'd be really interesting to like ask her more about like the woundedness part because obviously I think immediately of Nancy Verrier and yeah I think <laughs> wound just sounds so negative and so like you're stuck with this thing and it's going to be a crutch and you know you're never going to escape it but it sounds like Mallory was getting at like a much more nuanced or like not wholly negative understanding of like what it means to have a wound or and the fact that it um she called it a wounded healer right that somehow you use your own experience um in service to other people that it's somehow what what you experience is really going to help other people somehow mm. i mean and i feel like you already do that in a sense with your adoption research and and even like creating this podcast because I feel like people should know that you absolutely do all of the technical heavy lifting of this podcast. <laughs> and um, so, so actually sometimes people will ask me like, oh, so how do you make a podcast? And I'm just like, uh, you'd have to ask Ryan. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I feel like you already kind of you're already like transmuting your your wound into um <laughs> into service. <laughs> um yeah. I am kind of wondering, I really hope that this um that even looking at our birth charts, I think it's probably insensitive in some ways to adoptees like who may never verify their birth details. I feel like we just have to, like, name that because 
Absolutely. Um, I, I like what she said, you know, that this is, there are other, I don't know, like different therapeutic options, I suppose, that don't necessarily rely on having a time and date of birth. Which, you know, that still really makes me angry that, like, mm. that for a lot of adoptees, like, we're, we're denied that basic human right of knowing, like, when and where we were born. But, yeah, but this is just, like, this is just one method. Um, that we honestly thought this episode might be kind of like nice and light, like a little bit of a tone <laughs> shift, and it probably hasn't ended up being that way. But <laughs> um, yeah, this is just this is just one healing method. There are so many weird and wonderful like things out there that um, that can be helpful. I think so. Yeah. yeah, and I thought it was really interesting because I don't know anything about sort of this dimension at all so I thought it was really interesting when she said that like tarot reading can provide like similar kinds of information to a birth Mm -hmm. chart yeah I would love to hear more and like let's get more healers on the show (laughs) (laughs) I feel like the older I get um the more open I am to like different modalities as well Mm. I think I, I used to be such a skeptic with like tarot, um, intuitives, all of this kind of thing. Yeah. Is this like a field that you could see yourself getting into, like as a practitioner? I don't know. I, because I, I really don't see myself as um, a, a naturally intuitive person. <laughs> I feel like it's just like a lot of confusion and, and fog and anxiety in my brain usually. <laughs> So I'm like, I never thought that I could do this kind of thing, but uh, I don't know. I have interest. Um, I also don't know if I am naturally like a kind of practitioner or healer kind of person. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm too too self-absorbed or something. What? (laughs) I mean, I really like contributing to the the adoptee community in different ways and – you know, to my friends and family. But, yeah, I, I'm not sure if I'm specifically meant to do some kind of one-on-one healing work. Anyway, we'll see. Mm-hmm. As always, thanks for listening to this episode. And we also wanted to take this opportunity to thank our dear patrons and also anyone who has ever, like, sent us a message on Instagram or an email or anything like that. Um, those messages like really encourage us to keep going with the podcast. We actually have permission to read one of our recent messages. I just thought this was just a lovely, lovely message. So here it is. Hey guys, I've been binge listening to your podcast for the last two weeks. Since becoming a mom 12 months ago, my world has been shook to say the least. I've been trying so hard to understand how and why I've struggled mentally with being a mum and in my relationship, including going to therapy. Finding your podcast just two weeks ago has helped me so much. It's opened my eyes and heart in ways I can't explain just yet. Since listening, I can actually feel some inner peace about my adoption. So I wanted to send huge waves of gratitude your way for producing such an amazing podcast and being so vulnerable and generous with what you do. That's so lovely. That's really sweet. Thank you. <laughs> Messages like that make it all worth it. 
Yeah. And they, they actually, they make it like more than worth it. Actually, I was thinking it's kind of like Pavlovian conditioning because it's, <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, we don't get them all the time. We just get them like just enough to like really keep us going with the podcast, you know? It's positive reinforcement, basically. To really keep us salivating as, as hungry dogs. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, because because we want that like huge like dopamine hit of, of validation. <laughs> I mean, look, it's not the only reason why we keep doing the podcast, but it's um <laughs> it really helps. <laughs> If there are other topics you'd like us to cover or like return to or anything, um, please don't hesitate to um, get in touch with us. Our email is adoptedfeels at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Adopted Feels Podcast um, and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Thanks so much again for tuning in. Like Hannah said, we we expected this to be a lot more uh, frivolous of an episode than it turned out being. Um, but yeah, th- thanks for listening. And we hope this kind of spoke to, to some of you.